Hello and welcome to the Heart to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 28. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. The NFL Divisional Round is over. We'll touch on all the games, what happened, what were the keys to the game. Also, in the NBA, James Harden gets traded. What does that mean for James Harden? KD, what does that even mean for Giannis? In the Premier League, Wolves lose to West Brom. They've hit rock bottom. What is going on? Is Nuno on his way out? Also, Liverpool draw 0-0 to United. Liverpool can't find the back of the goal. We'll touch on all of that. This is episode number 28 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. The Rams versus the Packers kicked off this weekend of football. The Rams lose to the Packers 32-18. to uh, They looked... They were never really in the match, in the game. If I'm being honest, the Packers put on a show. They dominated throughout the game. The game was kind of closed, but you never really thought the Rams were in it. Matt LaFleur, he keeps devising. His offense is great. I think the system that he's implementing for the Packers is great. It helps Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have to throw for 400, 500 yards. Uh, They get a lot going in the ground game, sets up the passing game. And the way he devises uh, plays is just amazing. He 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 schemes players open. That was evident in that first touchdown, that De- Devontae Adams touchdown when he motions Devontae Adams to the left, and then he motions him back to the right as they're hiking the ball. And there's nothing Jalen Ramsey could do to keep up with Devontae Adams. It was just an easy throw for Aaron Rodgers. And Ramsey was upset. Was visibly upset after the after the play because he thought the cornerback or the I think the the slot cornerback should have slid over to cover Devontae Adams and Ramsey should have um, got in the wide receiver in the slot but they miscommunication easy Devontae Adams touchdown nothing the Rams could do and that's that's the thing that Matt LaFleur brings with his offense he just schemes people open he puts defenses in tough positions they don't know what to do their, their communication has to be elite if, if you have one miscommunication, the way that Malafleur devises his offense is just really hard to keep up. And if you have talented players like Devontae Adams and a Hall of Fame quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, it's almost impossible to keep up. And that was the problem with the Rams. They didn't have the horses. They didn't have the offense to keep up with the Packers. And uh, they had an injured Aaron Donald that couldn't really make an impact, make the impact that he usually makes. He had like one tackle, zero QB hits, zero sacks. You could tell he was not 100%. You could tell he was still injured and not the Aaron Donald that we've been accustomed to. But the Rams did have a couple of chances to make some plays to keep the Rams in the in the, in the game. At the end of the half, uh, there was two throws that Rodgers was trying to hit down the seam. And both of them could have been intercepted, but uh, the cornerbacks couldn't come down. With the interceptions at the end, they held the Rams. I mean, they held the Packers to three points. But those three points, when the game was still in the balance, it could have helped the Rams, could have kept the Rams in the game more. But in the end, Rodgers threw for 296 yards, two touchdowns against the number one defense. The offensive line was great for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers was protective the whole game. Uh, They didn't get to him. They had 196 rushing yards, so the offensive line really dominated. Uh, they control the game. The Packers' offensive line has been great this whole season, and they showed up in the divisional round. Really just dominated the trenches, 
And I think that's where they won the game. They were able to run the ball. They protected Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, Aaron Donald was a non-factor. And there you go. That's your game. That 50, I believe it was a 55-yard touchdown uh, to Lazard in the fourth quarter to push push the game to two-touchdown game. That sealed the game. Uh, Goff, he has an injured thumb. He was never really going to bring the Rams back. He couldn't. And that, that's, that's all she wrote. Uh, Aaron Donald was crying at the end of the game. You feel for a guy like him, one of the what top five players in the, in the NFL, uh, probably the best player that's not a quarterback in the NFL. Unfortunate that he came in injured. But, I mean, you love to see a player's passion like that. You love to see people, like, really care for the game. It reminds me of J.J. Watt, of the speech he had, uh, I think, after the Titans game or after Week 16, where he was visibly upset and he was telling it his teammates that if you don't care about the game, like, what are you doing here? That's what Aaron Donald reminded me of him crying. And like, it's just, you know, he, he he's hurt. You know, he wants to win. And that's what you want from your players. But the Packers look good. Next week, they host the Buccaneers. I think the they were talking about how it's going to be 22 degrees out when they host the Buccaneers. Buccaneers are coming from Florida. They're used to, you know, hot temperatures, sunny days. 22 degrees favors the Packers, but I mean, Tom Brady, he's he's been playing in Foxborough, so he's no stranger to 22 degree weather. So we'll see how the Packers do. They look good. They look dominant. I do believe the Packers are going to win and punch a ticket to the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers, uh, he the first time he hosts a conference championship at Lambeau, which is crazy if you think about it. I think that's more on McCarthy than on Rodgers and on the Packers as a whole. But Shout out to the Packers. Shout out to Aaron Rodgers. Really clean game. Really impressed me. They look good. Uh, I thought the I thought the Rams had a chance to steal this game just because of their defense and their running game, which has uh, which has been an Achilles heel for the Packers defense before. Like last year to the to the 49ers, they gave up like almost two like 200 yards, I believe, or more through the ground. So I was I was scared that. The Rams were going to be able to run on the Packers defense, but Packers defense looked solid. Aaron Rodgers looked solid, looked really good against that number one defense. And I, I think that's my pick. That's my pick for the Super Bowl for the Packers. I think they're going to go all the way through. I mean, my original pick was the Seahawks, but of all the remaining teams, I have the Packers going to the Super Bowl. I think they're going to take care of the Buccaneers. And for the Rams, moving forward, what are they going to do? Uh, Goff has a great, I mean, huge cap hit going forward. They gave him that extension. They have a lot of players that they're playing a lot. They just lost. They just lost their defensive coordinator to the Chargers. He's going to be their next head coach. So I mean, I, I, I'm curious to see how the Rams retool for next season. Uh, they have a lot of elite talent, but they need. I, I believe they need more depth, and they maybe need to try to get a better quarterback. I know Watson's out there. Could you see a package where the Rams get Watson and the? And the Texans get maybe Goff, Cooper Cup, and some some picks. Uh, the Rams even have picks. I don't know. They made some trades, but maybe like I, I I'm just thinking here. What what do the Rams do to take that next step? Can can uh, Goff take him back to the Super Bowl? Can he can they win a Super Bowl with Goff? Has he plateaued? What's the potential for this team? How are they going to replace their defensive coordinator? How are they going to retool their offensive line? Their their defensive line. I'm curious to see how the Rams, what moves the Rams make this offseason 
And I'm curious to see how the Packers do in the conference championship. I do have them going to the Super Bowl. I'm very excited to see how they play the Buccaneers. But we'll see We'll see how they do. Rams versus Packers, 32-18. Shout out to the Packers. On Saturday night, the Ravens played the Bills, and they lost 3-17. to This game was filled with mistakes. Filled, filled, filled with mistakes. Both kickers missed, uh, I believe, two field goals. The Bills kicker, all right, you're the Bills kicker. You're a regular kicker. Not a big deal. Tucker missing two field goals. That's crazy. Both of them hitting the uprights, one on the left, one on the right. Ridiculous, crazy stuff. That kind of signaled the night that the Ravens were going to have. But this game really changed when Teron Johnson had 101 pick, pick six. The score was 10 to three. The Ravens were marching down the field to tie the game 10-10 at the end of the third quarter. Taron Johnson intercepts. Lamar Jackson takes it 101 yards. Uh, White escorts him, gets Jackson off of him, and Taron Johnson gets into the end zone, makes the game 17-3. And that was pretty much ball game. Two position, two possession lead. And the game that had been super low scoring, where the offenses had hadn't been able to get a lot going, that was that was kind of it. Especially because the third quarter had two possessions. The Bills got the opening kickoff to start the second half, and they took like six minutes, drove down the field, took that 10-3 lead. The game was tied 3-3 at halftime, and then the Ravens got the ball, I believe, with eight or nine minutes left in the third quarter, and they had a lengthy. Long, impressive, impressive drive, if I do say so myself, going uh, the, the length of the field. They took it to, like, I think it was goal-to-goal distance. They probably got to, like, the eight-yard line. Impressive drive. They converted on several third downs. They might have converted on a fourth down, too. But it was an impressive drive. They, they chewed up a lot of clock. Like I said, there was only two possessions in the third quarter. And you thought the Ravens were going to... You thought the Ravens were going to score and tie the game. But... Lamar Jackson throws a pick six, doesn't see Teron Johnson coming underneath the route for his tight end, I believe, and he just makes incredible play, returns it 101 yards. But what most people don't remember, or if you weren't watching the game, you won't see this, the play right before the pick six, Lamar Jackson had, I believe, Sneed running wide open, wide open. They, they drew him up. He was running across across the field. He even lifted his hand. He was wide open. If Lamar Jackson sees him or if he has time, it's an easy touchdown. 10-10 game. Changes everything. We're going into the fourth quarter tied 10-10. We're tied at halftime 3-3. We would have gone into the fourth quarter 10-10. It would have been a great finish. But the offensive line couldn't give Lamar Jackson the time. He gets pressured down the middle real quick. He tries to scramble right, but the guy is coming in too hot. He just has to throw it away. The ball doesn't get to – I believe it was Snead. The ball doesn't get to Snead or whatever wide receiver was wide open. And he shorts, he can't get enough arm strength on it because he's running away. And they miss the opportunity to score a touchdown. And the very next play, he throws a pick six, gets returned for 101 yards. 17-3, final score, game over, shut. So it's just, it's crazy how quickly a game could change. Literally the play before, he has a wide receiver running wide open. If he hits him, it's 10-10. Offensive line doesn't do their job or they've sent too many people, pressures him, can't get the throw, pick six the next play. Just crazy, crazy stuff. And then the Ravens had a lot of mistakes. I already mentioned the missed field goals, but they had a lot of bad snaps throughout the game. I don't know what's going on with the center. It was pretty loud in the Bills stadium. Uh, 
they they were allowed to have fans and it sounded like they had a packed stadium. They had bad snaps, they had missed field goals, they had drop passes. One of those bad snaps really turned out to be costly for the Bills as Lamar Jackson was heading back into his end zone, picked up the ball, threw it out of bounds. He, he I mean, at the end, he, if, even if he would have just fallen on it, it would have been the same um, conclusion or the same result because he ended up getting a intentional grounding. But in that attempt to make a play, to try to get the ball out, to not lose any yards, to just get an incompletion, Lamar Jackson gets tackled. He falls. He, he hits his head on the floor, and he leaves the game with a concussion, and he would not return. So that was pretty. That was game over. If it was already game over, seventeen to three after the pick six. Once Lamar Jackson went out, once he couldn't return to the game, that was game over. Uh, you knew that whoever came in was not going to bring the the Ravens back, and that's exactly what happened. There was just the Ravens don't have enough weapons to make that happen. Um, but once once uh once the backup QB came in, I I heard I think Collinsworth saying like oh now one of the raven stars needs to make a play and in my head i was like what stars like all right dolvins is cool uh hollywood brown he's cool sneed is all right uh their tight end is good but who's their star who who's their star on offense i i, I never really thought like uh they have a star on offense that's going to bring this team back that all right if, if the qb goes down just hit that just you can count on this guy like who who's gonna bring him back like if Rodgers goes down you know all right you got to target Devontae Adams that's your number one that's your star like he's gonna get open just he's your safety blanket if Breeze gets down you know hit Thomas or something maybe not this weekend but you know what I'm trying to say for the Ravens it was like okay like oh now we're gonna target Sneed on every play, or we're gonna just feed the ball to Dobbins. I don't know. I think the Ravens need to get their offense together. They need to give Lamar Jackson better weapons. Cause there was a lot of times at the beginning of the quarter, I saw Jackson. He was scrambling. He was doing. He was dancing in the pocket, and he could not. He they could not get to him. And then he tried to dump it off to Dobbins. And Dobbins could just not catch it, and it killed this drive. And that happened like a couple times where Dobbins just couldn't catch the ball. And that really kills momentum. It really, like, just... I feel like it sucks the life out of you sometimes. Me as a neutral, I was like, oh, my God, that sucks. That must suck for Lamar Jackson that he's running around trying to stay alive. And he can't... Um, and he, he does a simple dump off to the running back and he drops it. But enough of the Ravens. They did have a lot of mistakes. But shout out to the Bills for causing those mistakes. Their offense did enough. Um, and I'm excited to see the Bills in the championship game. They're playing the Chiefs next week. Josh Allen versus uh, Mahomes, hopefully, if he comes back from the concussion. But the Bills look good. Even though the offense has carried them, their offense only scored 10 points this game. The Ravens' defense is good, is elite. So I don't, I mean, I give them a pass. The Bills' defense showed up. Like I said, the pick six, create pressure to, to not let the opponent score a touchdown. So, Bills Mafia, I know you guys are excited. I know you guys are going to be going crazy. Um, you guys might even get into into uh, Arrowhead. I, I don't know how many tickets you're going to sell, but I wouldn't be surprised if Bills Mafia gets into the stadium. Shout out to all the Bills Mafia. I, I can only imagine how many broken tables there is in Buffalo 
right now or on Saturday or throughout this whole week, there's going to be a lot of broken tables. And maybe next Saturday or Sunday, whenever they play the Chiefs, there might be even, there might be more. Uh, either either one, whoever wins this game, I I would like to see them win the Super Bowl. Uh, Chiefs Chiefs was my my pick before the season, so uh, I, I'm rooting for them a little bit more. But if the Bills win, I do want them to win the Super Bowl ahead ahead of the NFC teams. But Ravens had just way too many mistakes to win this game. The Bills caused some of those mistakes, and they did enough to win the game. It was a great game. The Bills beat the Ravens 17-3 on Saturday. The first game of Sunday was the Browns versus the Chiefs. The Browns lose to the Chiefs 22-17 in a very exciting game. I had a lot. There, there's a lot to talk about in this game. Mahomes, unfortunately, went out with the concussion in the third quarter. Henny came in. And, you know, he, he played decent. He had an interception. But the end of the game, that's when he made his name. That's when everybody was going crazy. Uh, game was 22-17. to 17. Browns were out of timeouts. Uh, they had a lot. They had some of the momentum. So if they would have gotten the ball back, they would have had like a minute 20, a minute 18, I believe, to go down the field and score the game-winning touchdown. And on third, on second down, Henny got sacked. So they had a third and 14 like around their 38-yard line. It was close to midfield, but like probably like early 40s or 30s. Third and 14 for Henny. Henny runs on third down, gets like 13 and a half yards, sets up a fourth down for the Chiefs. And then you're thinking, what are they going to do? Are they going to – they don't have Mahomes. Henny is not really a household name. He's not one of the elite um, backup quarterbacks. What are you going to do? And to their surprise, or to my surprise, or not really, because Andy Reid is a beast, they rush to the line of scrimmage, and they're they're thinking they're going to go for it. And the announcers, even the announcers don't think they're going to go for it. They're like, oh, look at their body language. It doesn't look like they're going to go for it. They're probably going to let the, ru- the game clock run down. They're going to call a timeout, and then they're going to talk about it, and then we'll see if they go for it on fourth down. And to everyone's su- surprise, they snap the ball. And Tyreek Hill does a quick out. Henny scrambles right, hits him on the run. Beautiful throw, wide open. Tyreek Hill catches the ball, stays in bounds, goes down, gives himself up. Ball game. Chiefs win. They're going on to the conference championship. They're the first team in the AFC to host three consecutive championship games. Uh, The only other team that had done it was Andy Reid's Eagles back in the day. The early 2000s. So just, damn. Andy Reid, he has some cojones. Uh, calling those plays. Henny executing those plays. Just really gets your heart pumping. It was an exciting game. I really enjoyed this game. But hopefully Mahomes is able to play in the AFC Championship game. It would be a shame if the Chiefs play the Bills and were robbed of a Mahomes versus Josh Allen matchup. And Mahomes was also dealing with like a toe injury. You could see that he was hobbled throughout the game on a couple of runs where he was scrambling. You could tell that he was like favoring. I believe it was his left foot or I think it was his left foot. But when he was running, you could tell he wasn't really planting as hard on the injured foot. So we'll see if either of those injuries keep him out. I really hope he plays because I want I've been dying to see uh, Josh Allen versus Mahomes rematch since they played earlier in the game in the season and the Chiefs beat the Bills handily 
we'll see how that goes this this time around. The Bills are a way different team than they were, I believe, week six when they played. They're a way different team. This Bills team is more in sync, more together, more explosive. Their defense is playing better, too. So I just really want to see that game. For the Browns, they had some missed opportunities. They had a controversial play at the end of the half where the Bills are driving. I mean, the Browns are driving down the field. Good drive by Baker Mayfield. And then he does a pass. Wide receiver catches the ball and is reaching for the end zone. I believe it was Higgins. He catches the ball. He's kind of stumbling, but he's like three, four yards away from the end zone. So he tries to catch the ball, regain his balance. He's not going to regain his balance, so he just lunges for the end zone. Chiefs safety, I believe, comes in, lowers lowers his, throws himself to stop him at the end zone. There's helmet-to-helmet collision, and because of that, uh, Higgins drops the ball, and it goes through the end zone and out of the end zone, and it's Chiefs' ball because of the touchback. And there was a lot of controversy around that play because there was helmet-to-helmet contact. And that should be targeting or one of the rules or lowering of the crown, whatever it is to initiate contact. Either one of those targeting or lowering of the crown to initiate contact. One of those flags could have been thrown for the Chiefs defender for for the helmet-to-helmet collision. But it's just a hard play. Like, how else is the Chiefs defender supposed to make that play? Like, that's pretty much a touchdown if you're not leading with your head, if you're not, like, extending yourself as far as you can. Because, like, your hands won't do it. I don't know. It was a controversial play. It really changed the game. The Browns would have scored. The game would have been closer going into halftime. They would have gotten some of the momentum at the end. I know it's butterfly effects. You don't know how things would have played out. Um, But at the end, they only lost by five. They lost seven points right there. So just crazy, crazy. Ah, I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that play because... like I like the play that the Chiefs did and the way he threw his body and just tried to stop the play. I thought it was a it was a really cool play how it played out. But I do see the Browns point of view where you would be upset because that flag didn't get thrown. And then in the in the game after with the Saints and the Buccaneers, there was a similar play that got called for uh lowering of the crown and they threw the fifteen yard penalty. And even LeBron tweeted out that, oh, we, we don't get those calls or something along those lines. Like, we don't get those calls. I mean, it's true, but it's a different play. Like, one of them is launching for the end zone. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Should that have been should that have been a 15-yard penalty targeting or lowering of the crown? Whichever f- flag you want to call. Should that have been called at the end of the Browns versus Chiefs game? I don't think so. I think it was the right call to make it a no call, to have no flag, in my opinion. I like I like that play. But I could see, if, if you were to tell me, like, nah, like, letter of the law, that should be a flag, I can't disagree with you. And I'll be like, all right, you know what? You're right. That should be a 15-yard penalty. In my opinion, I like the way they played it. Let them play. It was a good play, exciting play, highlight play. I liked how it played out. But the Browns. Uh, they kind of messed up. They took some timeouts in the second half that they shouldn't have. One of them, I believe it was on first down. They weren't communicating the plays right, so they had to call a timeout to sort it out. And then uh, Stefanski, the Browns head coach, challenged the play. There was this catch. 
uh, when Mahomes was already out. Uh, pass to Tyreek Hill over the top, and Tyreek Hill juggled, caught it, and then on the on on the way down juggled it, and then he caught it again. And in real time, I kind of thought he dropped it too, but once they showed the first replay, replay, you could tell that he caught it, that he he regained possession as he was going down, and it never touched the ground. And I think Stefanski threw the flag too or too quick. He didn't let like the people upstairs really check it and tell him like, you know what, we're not gonna win this challenge. Because after the first replay, it was kind of like, all right, like right, you're going to lose this challenge. Bad, bad challenge. And he did. He lost the challenge. He lost another timeout. And at the end of the game, when the Chiefs were trying to run out the clock, they only had one timeout to to save um, some clock. And it really it really hurt them. Because once the Henny throw, the Henny run on on third and 14, and the Henny throw on fourth down, if they would have had timeouts, they would have maybe had another chance, another set of downs to play with to maybe get the ball back. But it is what it is. Stefanski's still a coach of the year candidate, even if he made some minor mistakes with time management and timeout management this game. Mayfield played pretty good. He did have an interception, but for the most part, I like I like how he played. I like the toughness that he showed. Uh, he had a couple keepers where he lowered his helmet and he got the first down. Uh, for the Browns, uh, their star player, uh, what's his name? I'm blanking out on his name, but his Defensive line player, he was hurt. He couldn't play to up to 100%. Uh, so he was out on the sideline for a, a lot of a couple of the plays, especially at the end when Henny had the had uh, was under helm. I think I do believe he he had the sack on second down, so he was still able to uh, make some plays, but he wasn't able to impact the the game as much as he could have. Miles Garrett, that was the guy. He was hurt. Miles Garrett was hurt, so he was on the sideline. But the Browns have a lot to build going forward. Miles Garrett, you know, we'll see what they do with OBJ. Stefanski looks like he really changed the culture for the Browns. It looks like that team has bought into what he thinks, the system that he brought to the um, to the Browns. We'll see what they do with Hunt. I believe he's a free agent. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to get offers. He ran pretty good this season. He look, He looks strong. Um, he might he the teams think he's the number one back. I don't know, but if if teams want to have like a one two punch like the Browns had this year, they might they might look to get him. I I believe he's a free agent, but I might be wrong. But we'll see what the Browns do in the offseason. I think they've built a nice foundation, and they'll be there with uh with the Ravens next year, challenging for that AFC North. We'll see how the Steelers do. I think they're gonna fall off. I don't believe in Big Ben anymore. And for the Bengals, they have a lot of work to do. And Burrow's going to be coming back from that horrific injury. So we'll see how that plays out. But it should be the Browns and the Ravens in the AFC North going forward. Shout out to the Browns for a great season. They had a lot of good games. They really entertained me this season. I had a lot of fun watching the Browns this season. So shout out to the Browns. Nothing to hold your head down. It was a great season. And I applaud you for it. Uh, I, I know Brown fans, the dog pound should be going, should be happy going forward. We'll see. We'll see if they're able to make some noise next year. And for the Chiefs, grinded it out. Andy Reid is a savant. He's a genius. Bozzy, uh, bozzy play, call, um, play calling. Be um, enemy to bozzy uh, play calling. And for the Chiefs, for them to make a real title defense, Mahomes has to be cleared from this concussion. And we'll see to what extent that toe injury is. And maybe not finishing the game could be seen as a half. Uh, glass half full as Mahomes didn't have to put more pressure on that toe he might have aggravated it more if he would have finished that game and the Chiefs were able to get the win so 
we'll see if Mahomes clears concussion. I hope he does. I really hope he does because I want to see Mahomes versus Josh Allen. In the last game for the divisional round of the NFL playoffs, Buccaneers versus Saints. The Buccaneers beat the Saints 30-20. to um, It just it was a masterful display of defense by the Buccaneers. Uh, a lot of people are going to go and point to Tom Brady. They're going to point to that offense, all the stars. The offensive side has all the known names, but the defense was really the star of the show for the Buccaneers. They forced four turnovers by the Saints. The Buccaneers scored three touchdowns off those four, those first three turnovers, 21 points in a, when you scored 30, short fields for the offense, and they really kept the Buccaneers in the game. I think the turning point in this game was that Cook fumble. The Saints were up 20-13. to 13. They were driving down the field. It was the middle of the third quarter. The Saints had scored on their first drive of the third quarter. The Buccaneers hadn't done anything with their drive. They had a punt. The Saints were marching down the field. It looks, it felt like the Saints were going to take a 27-13 lead and it was going to kill the Buccaneers' game plan. They were going to have to abandon the run. They were going to have to air the ball out. Brady was on his way to throw maybe for 50, 55 times. And they were going to play catch-up. And then the Saints were going to pull away. And it was going to start to look like the Sunday night football game from early in the season. But the Buccaneers stepped up, forced a fumble, returned it pretty good. I think the Buccaneers only had to go like 45 yards to score uh, the tying touchdown. And then after that, they intercepted Drew Brees twice, got another got a, another touchdown, got a field goal, sealed the game. That Buccaneers defense was elite. Those, those turnovers really sealed the game because the Buccaneers offense didn't really do much. It's not like Brady was making amazing throws. It's not like Brady was marching down the field. It was really the Buccaneers defense giving the Buccaneers short fields, giving that offense short fields. Uh, shorting the field, just really hunkering down too. Also, at the beginning of the game, it felt like the Saints could have really taken the momentum and build a big lead. Uh, the, the Saints had a punt return to the 21-yard line, and they settled for a field goal. The Buccaneers' defense held them to a field goal. Also, the the Saints got another punt return for a touchdown. It got called back for an illegal push in the back. This is a kind of soft call, in my opinion. It was a small push, but I the right call and then the saints marched down the field and they got held to a field goal again so which could have been 14-0 right away just out of the gate turned out to be just 6-0 because the buccaneers defense held and i think that was the key to the game those two those two defensive holds or three the two defenses at the beginning of the game where they held the Saints offense to two field goals and the punt return that was called back because of, of a illegal blocking back. And the forced fumble um on Cook to stop the Saints from extending their lead when they were up 2013. I think that was pivotal to keep the Buccaneers in the game and not have to get out of their game plan and not have to stop running uh Jones and uh Fournette. Because if, if they would have just started throwing the ball, we know that the Saints could have started pressuring them. And then it would have started to look like a Sunday night game. And Breeze, Breeze looked like he couldn't push the ball down the field. Once the Buccaneers took a lead, like a two-possession lead, and it was up to Breeze to bring him back, you kind of knew that he couldn't. He couldn't. Those big plays were just not there for Breeze to make. He doesn't have the arm strength. 
he had a couple of throws where he missed them high on uncanny for breeze but more like you now that he's old that he doesn't have the arm strength he i think he compensates for that arm strength with the loss of accuracy because he's just trying to push it so before the game it was known that breeze was going to retire um i forgot his name but one of the reporters for fox announced that breeze had told him that he was going to retire after the game he kind of backtracked and he said he was going to take a look at his at the season as a whole and really uh, see what he would do going forward. I do believe he's going to retire. I think that's it. They're saying that he's going to be an announcer for NBC. So we'll see if he does that. Good luck to Breeze and all his endeavors moving forward. He had a great career. Um, he only won one Super Bowl with Sean Payton, the genius that Sean Payton is. But where do you guys rank Breeze in all-time QBs? That's another discussion to be had. I think he's top 10, maybe top 5. Uh, I can touch on that later, but... Breeze did look washed. He had three interceptions, I believe. The pick six, the almost pick six he threw at at the uh, in the first half really kept the Buccaneers in the game. And then the the interception where he was trying to hit uh he was trying to hit um Kamara through the seam. I don't know if that was miscommunication or that was just a bad Breeze throw. It looked like it looked like they were not on the same page, but it also looked like maybe Breeze missed a throw. And Devin White, linebacker for the Buccaneers, he had a great game. He was all over the field uh, making plays. He recovered the fumble. He had an interception. He was a force on that defense. Devin White, he, he they were saying he was snubbed for the Pro Bowl. Judging by the way he played today, he, has, he definitely was snubbed. Uh, if he was playing like that the whole season, Devin White, probably the, the player of the game, in my opinion. The defense should, should be... All the Buccaneers defense should get the game ball, but Devin White especially, he was a standout player. And Brady didn't make mistakes. But I will say this. The Saints defense had two or three throws from Brady that they could have made a play. They could have intercepted him, and they couldn't come down with those interceptions. Um, There was a a throw that Brady had on the flat. I think they set up for a field goal that that drive, but that could have been intercepted. He kind of said he, he when he threw it he you could read his lips and he was like oh. he he kind of knew it was a bad throw and the defense had both hands on it but just couldn't come down with it and there was a couple of throws i believe down the middle where the defender cut the the wide receiver and had both hands on it too to intercept but they just couldn't come down with those plays and if maybe those saints if the saints pull off any of those interceptions maybe it's a different game uh, maybe they get momentum, but like like I said, those turnovers were the main factors in in deciding who the winner was. Saints had four, Buccaneers had none, and the Saints had opportunities to intercept Tom Brady, and they just couldn't come down with it. So that might be that might be uh, the difference in the game. The the Buccaneers held on to their catches, to their interceptions, and the Saints couldn't. And then at the end, it just unraveled for Breeze. It just unraveled for the Saints. But Sean Payton, I'm sure he's gonna have he has he's gonna continue to be a great coach. He's a great offensive mind, as you could tell by that Winston uh touchdown. Beautiful trick play that they stole. He liked what he saw from the Bears last week. He he implemented it to his offense this week and worked out to perfection. So you know, you know, we all know Sean Payton is a genius, offensive genius. So I'm excited to see what they do in their quarterback going forward. Is it gonna be Winston? Is it gonna be Hill? Are they going to draft someone? Are they going to trade for one of these quarterbacks that 
are rumored to be leaving their teams. We'll see what the Saints do. I'm excited to see how uh, they do going forward because, I mean, Breeze didn't have an arm the last few years, so he couldn't really push the ball down the field. I think Sean Payton will get somebody that is uh, capable of making those throws and it really unlocks his offense again. And for the Buccaneers, the key to beating the Packers is going to be their defense. How do they? How well do they play against the Packers and the Buccaneers? It's going to be cold, and um, it's going to be cold in uh, Green Bay next next week in Wisconsin. So we'll see. They should run the ball, um, Fournette and Jones, and we'll see. It's going to be it's going to be an interesting game. I'm excited to see. I do have the Packers winning, but I would not be surprised if Brady pulls it off. That defense pulls it off. Very excited to see how that plays out. <clears throat> but switching over to the Premier League, Wolves played West Brom on Saturday morning. Uh, they lost 2-3. Very upsetting. I am so upset with the Wolves. What is going on? They can't get a victory. They've only had one victory since Raul Jimenez got hurt. And this seemed to be the game. West Brom, relegation team as of right now. And it's just, it's just, nothing seems to be going the Wolves' way. Uh, enough with the back four. I've been a strong proponent of the back four because I think we hit our peak with the back five. And I thought that we were a team that was ascending. So hitting our peak with the back five, I was under the impression that if we go to a back four, we could take that next step forward. But now, we're not a team that's ascending, that's trying to take the next step. We're definitely a team that's descending and that's trying to stop the stop the fall and turn it back around and go up. So because of that, we need to go back to the back five that's tried and true. The back five right now that we're we're definitely on a skid. And it's an ugly one. And it might even lead to a relegation battle because the teams underneath have underneath us have a game in hand. So enough with the back four. We're not a team that could experiment, that could afford experimentation right now. We need to go back to what works. A back five. We're giving up too many goals. We can't keep a clean sheet to save our lives. Um, and we're not disciplined. That's another thing. We're giving up too many penalties. Uh, Bali coming back from injury. Penalty within the first 10 minutes. Like, come on, man. What are you doing? I'm barely waking up. The game was at 4.30 Western uh, Pacific Standard Time. I live in uh, San Francisco. So I had to wake up 4.30 in the morning, right right before kickoff, wake up, turn on the game. I'm still kind of waking up, trying to, like, uh, you know, drink some water to really wake up. And Bali gives up a penalty before I'm fully, like, awake or I'm fully there. And that wakes me up. That gets me upset. I'm like, really? Like, what are we doing? A penalty against West Brom. We're going to be chasing the game against West Brom. Like, come on. And then we we come back. Silva gets his first open goal. Makes you feel good for the kid. You're like, all right, we're going we're gonna to win this. Bali gets a goal. We're like 2-1 going into halftime. The anger from the early penalty is kind of alleviated. Bali gets the goal. Bali gets the assist. So you're like, all right, I know you gave up the penalty, but you've made up for it. And in the first 10 minutes of the second half, we give up the equalizer on a long throw-in. And it just upsets you so much again. 
and you're still upset from that equalizer and Connor Cody gives up another penalty and you go down 3-2 and you just you can't even like as a Wolves fan that, that might be the m- most mad I've ever been like what are we doing how are we doing this how do we just keep giving goals away like that most of these goals that we're giving away they're not earned through like beautiful soccer or anything like that we're just making dumb mistakes we can't keep our marks on the long throwing we're challenging too hard on these penalties where we shouldn't the Bali one it's West Brom. What are, they're not known for scoring goals. They're not known for creating a lot of chances. Why are you challenging so hard on on a player that has his back turned to the goal? And Connor Cody, you know how soft these penalties are being called. Why are you clashing feet with these strikers, with these forwards? This is very upsetting. Connor Cody has subbed off. I think it's the first time he's been subbed up in a, subbed off in the Premier League game under Nuno when we're not like up. So it sends a message to the team that anybody could get subbed off. I do believe Connor Cody had been playing bad. He had been struggling. I don't know if I would have subbed him up, subbed him off because he's a captain, but it does send a message. And just Kuchona uh, had a chance. He he came into the game. Tough chance because it was off the off of off a volley and he hit into the ground and it bounced over the goal. So didn't really have much after that. I think Silva had another chance that he didn't put away. Uh, we need people to score goals for us. We need to shore up that back four, go back to a back five. And I've been saying before this season said started, I was saying that our center backs were our biggest weakness. I love Cor- I love Connor Cody. Bali's good. Size, I like him. But I think their like if I would make a FIFA reference, their ratings are a 79 and an 80 around that range. Or they're they're cool. They're not bad, but they're not good. You need you need to really have a great center back down there to make up for maybe the other ones aren't so good, but if you have a really really good one, it can make up for the other ones. And I just don't see any of that in our team. And Connor Cody, he's 26, I believe. So he could get better. I do like, I want to keep him. Bali, he's 29-30. He is what he is. Size, he's 29-30. He is what he is. Um, They did try to bring in Vallejo. He didn't work out. He was a younger player. Um, Kilman, we'll see how he progresses. But I think we need to really get a center back that is stout. And I could play off the ball. I mean, play out, start the offense. I mean, there's, we just need to go to back five. At this point, uh, we don't have two good center backs to be playing a back four. We need a back five to have three center backs to be more secure in the back. Even if we're playing West Brom, as sad as that sounds, I feel like we should be able to play a back four against West Brom and see out the results and be secure in the back. But apparently we can't. We don't have the center backs to do it. We got to go back to a back five. And is Nuno on his way out? I don't want him to leave. I appreciate what he's done for the Wolves. And these are tough times. But there's rumors that he might want out, that he misses his family, that they're all in Portugal, that he hasn't seen them in a long time. So we'll, we'll see. Is, is he on his way out? And then there's rumors that his agent's looking for a new team for him. Um, 
his body language wasn't the best. Uh, we haven't really had a victory in a long time. And he, was, he wasn't really coaching at the end of the game. He was just in the bench sitting down, kind of lamenting how the game had played out. Kind of looked like he had given up on the team or given up on the game or he was just super frustrated. I don't know. There's also, there's also rumors that the board isn't backing him up, that they're not willing to spend money. So we'll see how this plays out. Uh, I hope we keep him. I still believe in Nuno. I appreciate what he's done to the team. He got the team promoted on his first season. He two seven-place finishes in the first uh, two years in the Premier League since bringing back. And uh, I appreciate what he's done. If this is it, uh, I'm going to remember his time um, very, very successful. I'm not going to remember this season. I'm going to remember the two top ten finishes, all the good moments that I enjoyed these last two years from the first game against Everton to uh, the last few games in the restart where we finished top seven last season. But to getting to the FA Cup semifinals or going into Europa, I'm going to appreciate all of that. But if this is it, then uh, it's time to move forward and see who, who would like to coach the Wolves. Um, so we'll see. I hope he stays. But I do, I do understand that if the board isn't backing him up or if he misses his family, if he's checked out, if he's not there, then it is time to move on. But hopefully he stays and hopefully he's able to turn this around. Um, we have some tough matches coming up, so we'll see. Hopefully we don't really fall into that relegation battle. I think we have a way more talented team. Even without Raul Jimenez, uh, player for player, we're better than uh, the other teams fighting for relegation at, uh, as of this moment. But who knows? Uh, it's a weird season with COVID and everything. So we'll see how it plays out. Hopefully the Wolves turn it around. But upsetting, upsetting loss, 2-3 to West Brom. And we move on. Liverpool versus Manchester United. Probably the most anticipated matchup of the year. Finished in a 0-0 draw as it, as it has been with most of these hyped up games this season. I believe uh, City versus Chelsea tied 0-0. Uh, Liverpool versus uh, Liverpool versus uh, City, I believe, or versus Tottenham. It was 2-1, but it was tied most of the game. Uh, Liverpool versus somebody else, they tied like 0-0. A lot of these hyped-up games this season had finished on draws. Oh, Liverpool, Chelsea, I think they finished 0-0 too. And now this time, Liverpool versus United, 0-0. Liverpool has, haven't scored in the last three games. They can't seem to find the back of the net. Uh... Salah, Firmino, Mane, they're not they're not they're not taking their chances, they're not creating too many chances. De Gea had a quiet day other than some shots from distance. Um he didn't really have to do much. Liverpool never looked dangerous and never looked like sometimes Liverpool is going forward and you just think it's only a matter of time till they score a goal. There's just they're sending too many players uh, up front. They're getting too many crosses into the goal. The defense is just running all over the place. You can tell that the defense is panicking. It's under a lot of pressure. And you're like, okay, within these next five to ten minutes, Liverpool is going to score a goal. You never really felt that way against United. You never, you haven't really felt that way in the last three games for Liverpool. It's not like Liverpool haven't scored in the last three games and the keepers have been like amazing and, and made a lot of saves. Southampton keeper did did make some key saves. I do remember that. But for the most part, it's not like they're just bombarding 
the other team's keeper, the other team's defense, and they just can't seem to find the back of the net. They're really struggling to create key chances, and I think they need to fix that. They need to do something about that. Klopp, you could tell he's looking for answers as he started Shakiri, and he hasn't started a Premier League game in over a year. Didn't really get what he, I don't think he really got what he was hoping for from Shakiri. Uh, he didn't play bad, but he didn't really provide the spark. Um, I think they need a goal scorer. Firmino has been struggling for a while now. He he picked it up a little bit in that Tottenham game and the game after, I believe. But he's just not creating chances. Firmino is a really flair player where when he makes those flair passes, those flair goals, it looks beautiful. You appreciate him. You appreciate his talent. You appreciate his imagination for making plays like that. But when you're not scoring goals... And he does those little plays and they don't come out right and he just loses possession. I don't know. As a neutral, I find that it it gets me kind of annoyed. I can only imagine how that must feel for Liverpool fans. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love his flair. I like players that have flair. But I think he needs to be more clinical and he needs to focus on scoring goals more. And is it time to find a goal scorer, another player up front? I know Firmino, Salah, and Mane have been the best front three in Europe the last two, three seasons. Uh, put that front three against anybody, and most people will pick Firmino, Salah, and Mane. Is it time to bring in a goal scorer? We're still in the January transfer. They can still get somebody. We'll see if they do. Uh, Jota should be coming back soon. They need him. They need that spark. He was scoring goals for them in all their competitions. So we'll see when he gets back if, if he's able to turn this around. But United just looked like the better team. They were solid in the back. Got to give a shout-out to Maguire and Lindelof. They played great, especially Maguire. I think he had, he might he might be the player of the game for United. He was everywhere. He was cutting crosses. He was intercepting balls. He he was taking on his chances. He looked solid in the back, solid up up top. Shout-out to Maguire. I've been a, I've been one of his harshest critics. I've, I think I've called him out for his price tag for his uh, lack of scoring goals with the chances he has going forward. Sometimes he looks clumsy with the ball on his foot. But this was one of his better games, if not the best game I've seen him play for United. He really stepped it up, solid, solidified that back four. Uh, he was one of the big reasons that you never really thought uh, Liverpool was going to score a goal or never really looked dangerous. So shout out to Maguire and Lindelof. That pairing really had a great showing. And the only thing that this game solidified for me is that this Premier League race is going to be amazing. If if United would have won this game, six-point lead, maybe they start breaking away from the pack, but now they tie. And I think this favors City more than anybody. City has two games in hand. If they win both of them, they go top of the table by one point. But that top four, that top five, even that top ten is really, really tight. I'm very excited to see how it plays out going forward. I'm excited to see if any of these teams contending right now make a big splash in this January transfer market. There hasn't been there hasn't really been one as of yet, but we'll see as it gets closer to the end of the transfer window. If anyone makes a push, if anyone gets a big name player, that could really shift the tide on whoever makes that big move. But I know a lot of teams are they're kind of tight on money right now because of COVID. No fans, no ticket sales. All those merchandise sales from fans in stadiums. They're losing a lot of money. So I can see why teams are not willing to spend so much right now. But if one of those teams makes that leap of faith, 
that might be just just a needed push to win the Premier League this season because it's so tight. Anybody could win it. Even Tottenham, who have been struggling after that Liverpool um, defeat, they're still, I believe they're fourth as of now, with like a couple points back. So we'll see who wins this game. Uh, I kind of expected more from this game, not going to lie. I, I was not hoping for a 0-0 draw. I feel like everybody wanted to see goals. I, I thought everyone thought we were going to get goals, but we didn't. 0-0 draw. Uh, it was pretty entertaining game, kind of. Uh, not the best, not the worst. I'll take it. 0-0 draw. And uh, we'll see how the Premier League season plays out this year. But switching over to the NBA, James Harden gets traded to the Nets. We'll touch on that in a little bit. But first, I want to talk about Giannis. How is Giannis feeling in this moment right now? The trade just went down. We all know uh, James Harden is with the Nets. James Harden, Kyrie Irving, KD. Big three, super team in the East. Now the prohibited favorite to get out of the East and play the Lakers or the Clippers or whoever makes it out of the West. But how is John is feeling in this moment? He had one year left this offseason in his contract. And a lot of people would have advised him to play out his final year and revisit this conversation of a, of a Supermax at the end of this season to see where the Bucks are, to see the landscape of the NBA, to see where he could go. If, if staying with, the, with Milwaukee would be the best course for him or if there's other places where he might go that could bring him success. And to Giannis' credit, he's always said that he was going to stay with the, Buc- with the Bucks. He always said that he owed them a lot for what they've done to his family, for giving him the chance, for developing him as a player. And he owned up to that. He signed a five-year max contract, super max contract, that ties him up with the Bucks going forward. And the Bucks repaid him by, uh, you know, making a big trade for Holiday, uh, trading a lot of first-round picks, and getting Giannis a uh, somewhat big three, Giannis, Holiday, and Middleton, to really make that next push, to really take him over the top, to try to get the Bucks into an NBA Finals and hopefully win an NBA championship. But now that the now that the Nets have Harden, uh, KD, and Kyrie, how does Giannis feel? Does he feel like he made a mistake? Does he feel that he should have played out the last year of his contract? Does he realistically think that he has a path to the NBA Finals? Giannis, Holiday, and Middleton versus KD, Kyrie, and Harden. Um, I think Giannis really needs to take a look in his in the mirror and develop his game because as currently constructed, there's a lot of teams that could just hunker down and, and take Giannis away from the Bucks. The The Heat have a bomb, bam. The Celtics have Brown. And those those are the teams that have given him trouble. The Nets might not have a stopper for Giannis, but KD KD's tall enough. Giannis might be able to uh, muscle him. They did lo- they did lose uh, Jared Allen, so we'll see how they match up. Giannis, Holiday, Middleton against KD, Kyrie, and Harden. 
Uh, I give the advantage to the to the Nets, but they they don't have a lot of defense in there. So we'll see. Holiday is a good defender. Giannis is an elite defender. Middleton he could defend somewhere. He he's at least what like six seven. So I'm excited to see how that plays out. I'm excited to see if Giannis develops his game. Um, but I'm I'm just worried that Giannis might be already regretting his super max contract just a couple months into it. Seeing that now he has to go through this gauntlet of KD, uh, Kyrie, and Harden. And he struggled to get past the Heat or the Celtics. or It seems like teams could just really uh, take him out. So he might not even get to play the Nets. Like He's already struggling to get through those first few rounds. And now if he does potentially make it to the Eastern Conference Final, he has to play against KD, Kyrie, and Harden. It just seems really, really, really tough. And I, I'm a big Giannis fan. I, I want him to get a championship. I want him to bring a championship to the Bucks, even though I'm a Lakers fan. But I really like this guy. And uh we'll see how it plays out for him. I think he should have played it. I think he should have played out the last year of his contract and then seen where he could have gone. But you know, he's He's European, and a lot of people say that European players are more loyal to their NBA franchise. So that makes kind of sense. But I'm just, I'm kind of worried that already just two, three months in, he's already having second doubts. He might not, he might, he might just think that he's good enough. He's a reigning two MVP, uh, two time MVP. So he, defensive player of the year. So he might think he's good enough to just do it on his own. Or now that he has Holiday in Middleton, they are nine and four. I believe they have the best record in the East. So, And they do play today on Monday. They do play today, the Nets versus the Bucks. So we'll see how that game plays out. Kyrie won't be in that game, so we won't uh, get to see them at full force. And we still need to see a lot of uh, juggling to be done with the Nets. They need to figure out the rotation, who gets the ball. So this is definitely not like a final product. And I will say this. Uh... People seem to forget that at towards the end of the season, there's a lot of players that get bought out and teams get stronger. So we'll see. We'll see which teams, which players get bought out and which teams are able to get those players that get bought out. Because I'm pretty sure the Bucks are going to be looking for players. Um, the Nets are going to be looking for rim protector defenders. Just a lot of contenders always are trying to fill out their rosters. So we'll see. Keep an eye out on who gets bought out towards the end of the season. And I really hope Giannis takes that next step in his game. I really hope Holiday is 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 everything that the Bucks wished for when they traded everything they did for him. And Middleton has been playing better this season, so I hope he keeps on playing like that. And I hope he shows up in the playoffs. And I'm dying to see a Bucks versus Nets Eastern Conference Final. And who knows how that goes? It'll be really exciting. I I really want that. Almost as bad as I wanted the Lakers Clippers. Uh, Western Conference Final last year. I'm rooting for a Bucks versus Nets um, Eastern Conference Final. I just really want to see it. Holiday, Giannis, Middleton versus KD, Kyrie, and Harden. That would be amazing. I'm dying to see that. But now let's touch on the Nets. The Nets traded for James Harden. The Nets get Harden and a second round pick. Rockets get four first round picks from the Nets, or three from the Nets, one from the Bucks, four pick swaps with the Nets. And they also get Old Depot. Cavs get Jared Allen and another like utility player. Pacers get 
Levert, and a pick. Uh, good trade for the Nets. They had to do it. Their team wasn't really winning too much. Kyrie was, who knows what's going to happen with Kyrie. Um, Dinwiddie went out. They had to do some type of move. They couldn't just stay together as they were. And trading for Harden, top five player in the NBA, is not is never a bad deal. So shout out to the Nets. Good trade. They get one of the top five players in the NBA. Um, great move. For the Rockets, um, maybe they could have gotten more. These four, these four first-round picks, three from the Nets, one from the Bucks. They're going to be in their late 20s for the most part. So we'll see unless the Nets just completely fall on their face. So four picks in the late 20s. How, how valuable is that? I don't know. Um, if they trade them, I think they have more value if they trade them to other team, teams than if they keep them. But we'll see what they do with those four pick swaps with the Nets. The Nets should be good for the next three to five years. So maybe two, three of those, you don't you don't use them. Your pick will be worth more than the Nets. So you won't trade, you won't um, swap them. So how much value in those four pick swaps? Oladipo is cool, but he's on an expiring contract. Are you going to pony up the money to keep him at the end of this offseason? We'll see. Not a bad not a bad haul. I think they could have gotten better. Um, they could have gotten Simmons. I'm not that high on Simmons. So All right, you don't get Simmons, but we'll see. We'll see how you do it. I, I like the trade more for the Sixers than for the Rockets if they get Simmons. But was there other packages out there? Could they have gotten Brown? Could they have gotten somebody from the Celtics? I don't know, but for the circumstances that Harden did that uh, press conference the day before the trade, not a bad haul for the Rockets. So B and B plus for the Rockets. Cavs get Jared Allen, good for them. Pacers get Lavert, and in his physical, they discovered a low mass on his kidney or something like that. It might be cancer. They're saying hopefully it's not. I don't even want to say it, but hopefully it's not. So prayers up for Lavert. Thank God for this physical that discovered it. So maybe this trade helped them out just because they were able to find it. So best of wishes for Levert. I hope it's nothing and he's able to return to the NBA court promptly. But the Nets in their first game with Harden, they beat the Magic 122 to 115. Durant had 42, 5, and 4. Harden had a 30-point triple-double, 32, 14, and 12. Both players looked dominant. Harden was looking for Durant. They were connecting pick and pop um, that Durant and Harden pick and roll is going to be lethal. Even when Harden doesn't use Durant as a, as a screener for a pick and roll, he still finds him very excited to see how they play. Their defense is a concern without Levert. Their depth is a little bit of a concern. Dinwiddie's out. Levert's no longer there. But some other players have been picking up the slack as of right now. So I'm very, very excited to see how, how they play out. Three ball handlers, though. Is there enough basketballs for all three of them? I might, Personally, I don't think Kyrie is going to finish the season with the with the Nets. I think he gets traded to some other team and they get some quality, like 3 and D players, or they just fill out the roster and you just go into the playoffs with Durant and Harden. That should be enough to at least get you to the Eastern Conference Final and play the Bucks or the Heat or the Celtics, whoever makes it there, but... Very excited to see. If they do keep Kyrie and they keep this big three, uh, who takes the back seat? I don't know. Uh, do they all get their points? Uh, do they all get like their 28-point average that they most of them get? I think Kyrie's a little lower, like 25. 
But does Durant keep his 28? Harden, he was pushing 30s. I know he's going to go down. Very excited. Kind of scared, too, to see if, if this if this works out. I know Durant and Harden are really buddy-buddy. Kyrie and Durant are supposed to be really cool. But Kyrie, he's been gone. He's been at clubs celebrating his sister's birthday. Harden's been at clubs celebrating his friend opening a new business or something. I don't know. It just seems like a lot of personalities, a lot of egos in the Nets locker room right now. Durant, Harden, and Kyrie. I'm hopeful it works out just because it's a lot of talent and I want to see talent thrive. But as a Laker fan, I still think the Lakers are a better team. They have better chemistry. They have better defense. But if we get a Nets-Lakers finals, I would be more than happy. And I'm kind of rooting for that. I want to see that happen. But good trade for the Nets. We'll see how it plays out. We'll see if they keep Kyrie. Personally, I think he's going to get traded. And personally, I do think the Nets will make it to the Eastern Conference final. And most likely the NBA final representing the East. But let me know what you guys think about all the topics that we touched today. Um, Who do you guys have winning each uh, AFC championship, conference championship game? Do you guys have the Bills or the Chiefs? If Mahomes plays, who do you guys have? Who do you guys have with the Packers and the Buccaneers? Brady versus Rodgers. Who do you guys have um, winning the Premier League? If you're a Wolves fan and you're listening to this, do we keep Nuno? Do we turn it around? Or are we in a full-blown relegation battle? And in the NBA, do you guys think Giannis is regretting his decision to sign that Supermax already? And also, do you guys think this Harden trade is going to work out for the Nets? Let me know. Uh, This has been the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast, episode number 28. Thank you so much for being here. Have a great rest of your day.